Hey guys, TJ here with another one of my patented pre-episode pickups. Uh, just letting you know that originally this was supposed to cap off uh, the month of January, as Reject or Renew often does. However, we kind of bit off a little bit more than we could chew in not doing the episode guide the way that we typically do it. Typically, the episode guide is very machine gun. We don't really linger on any episodes, but we figured since The Mandalorian doesn't have a ton of episodes, and honestly, because Trav and Molly were really into it, and it's really big right now, and also, just by pure chance, most of our episodes at this point are about Star Wars, we decided to actually kind of linger on every episode. We accidentally made a super chunky episode, and it made more sense to split it into two parts. So, basically, uh, we're getting part one this week, and part two next week, we're going to get through most of the episodes in today's episode, and next week, we will give our, you know, highest and lowest rated episodes, our most and least valuable characters, all that fun stuff. Uh, we will not have a poll at the end, because we actually already know what we're doing. It's a very special Rejector Renew for Black History Month at the end of February, so we'll save that for then. But just letting you know here, because we didn't know it was going to be a two-part episode, there's nothing in the episode that lets you guys know that, it was, it, that this is going to be a two-part episode. So, with all that said, enjoy our episode on The Mandalorian. This is the way. Coming to you pre-recorded from a cramped closet in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a New York City apartment far too close to the street. It's your favorite millennials with too much time on their hands. Welcome to the Red Team Reviews Podcast. Can you feel a brand new day? Can you feel a Brand new day. Hello. I'm very much telegraphing what day we're recording this episode on. Uh, hi, you are listening to the Red Team Reviews uh, podcast. Uh, I am TJ Patrick, the voice you're currently listening to, joined, as always, by the... You know what? Honestly, joined by the... Uh... Why am I blanking on Gianna Carlos' fucking name? God damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm Moff Gideon? <laughs> no. What? Where did you get? <laughs> That's who you asked. Wait, Gianna Carlo I... Esposito? Oh, Gianna. I meant Gina Carano. God, my oh, brain. Oh, no, fuck Gina J. Carano. <laughs> fuck her. We're not yeah, talking no, about no, her. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't, don't. No, she's she's very, she's a shithead. Um, no, no. Uh, her character. Her. God damn. Uh <laughs> Cara Dune. Thank you. I'm like, I just got done watching the damn... Anyway, that's such a theme. Uh, My friend... Trainwreck. Jesus. Uh, Trevor Catalano. And don't call me Cara Dune. How dare you? I was going to say the Cara Dune to my uh, Karga, because I was like, I mean, that kind of works. Listen, that's a fair comparison. However, I just wish that Cara Dune was not such a good character, because I hate Gina J. Carano. Yeah, we can just say up front that we... no. No, we uh, we're done. Yep, we're done. We're done with yeah. Gina. Gina can go sit in the same yeah. camp as Joanne. All right. <laughs> yeah. No, she. Honestly, I I really hope they just kind of write her out. 
Um, it seems like they will, which we'll get to. Anyway, we're talking about The Mandalorian, and you've probably heard a familiar voice already. Um, yes. It's Molly Burdick. She's back. It's a me. To, As which promised. Also, like, I, I think we... Yeah, I think we literally said your name in the yeah in the episode where we rouletted this as as rejector renew. Um, we were like, we need Molly back, and it's and you came back, which is great. We we are happy that you still like us. Here I um, am. Thanks for having me. We'll see if that's still true at yeah, the end. I mean, it, TJ, we're gonna fight. Okay, all right. <laughs> I know. You know what? You know what sucks is that a little bit of foreshadowing. These two will be playing characters opposite each other in a journalist project. So they can't really hate each other. That's true. Um, however, for all of our sanity. However, in that project, I am going to be a very annoying sidekick. And in this project, I intend to annoy the crap out of TJ with his hot takes, which no. I will not be accepting. No, no, no. No, that Ooh. won't be the dynamic at all. I'm very apologetic about what's going to happen in just a few minutes here. All right. Good. As long as you're um. sorry. <laughs> We will. You're gonna have to answer to Dave Filoni for your sins, TJ. Look, um, look, no, 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 no. Don't even because I was with Dave Filoni from day one. Because Dave Filoni is one of the people responsible for the greatness that is Avatar: The Last Airbender. So me and Dave are good. <laughs> yeah, it's um, as, as my brother-in-law would say. So you mad at John Favreau? <laughs> it's it's Happy Hogan that has to answer for his fucking sins. <laughs> All right. Okay, I don't think that's I don't think that's appropriate. We'll get to um, that. <laughs> as as my brother in law would say, just give John Favreau and Dave Filoni kings to the kings to the galaxy or keys to the galaxy, and we'll be all. That's right. how I feel. Mm. And I agree with yep. that. Mm. Um, so yeah, today as as you can as you can tell, it's gonna be one of those episodes with director Renew, which is very fun. Um, and also, we finished the show as it as it stands until the until there's another season. This show is not going to be you know applicable to be talked about again. It's and done. We might just remove it all together from the from the lineup. But we're talking about uh, we're talking about the uh, probably the biggest the main reason anybody has Disney Plus, which is the Mandalorian. The only reason. I hard disagree. Um, hard disagree on that. Well, what are you watching on Disney Plus, okay, TJ? Anybody who literally uh, all have children of the Disney is the reason they have That's um, true. Okay, I am too. I'm not going to lie. I am too. But I got it for the Mandalorian. So I got it when I didn't even really like like I I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't know what the Mandalorian was, but it was such like a non-blip on my radar when I got Disney Plus. And then when we drew it for you know reject to renew i was just like oh well i have disney plus now so it's just yeah plus it was a show that uh like stranger things like at some point i was almost obligated to watch it because again people just love spoiling shit because they assume that you watch every single thing the second that the second that it drops right I'm going to add to what TJ just said and say that my phone background has been Baby Yoda since I first watched the first episode of The Mandalorian in 2019. Um, and actually, I didn't start it until a few episodes had already come out. And my podcast co-host was like, Molly, you haven't watched The Mandalorian yet? And I was like, no, that sounds bad. I'm not here for new Star Wars material. And then... <laughs> I watched it, and I was immediately, of course, turned to the other camp, and now I'm obsessed, and I have a Baby Yoda plush toy. I have... My, my phone background is still Baby Yoda. I Baby have, Yoda makeup. 
Baby Yoda makeup, a Baby Yoda mask, um, Baby Yoda pop sockets. I have three. <laughs> I've seen yeah. them. So anyway, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I, I liked it when it came out and watched it. Uh, that's really, <laughs> it's not much to it. Uh, my roommate got Disney Plus for the sake of watching this. We started watching it together. I have not stopped watching it since. Um, and I have gotten several other people into it. Uh, no, not much else history. Um, so. This episode's going to be great for my self-image of myself, uh, which has been documented <laughs> throughout uh, honestly, the last few episodes of the podcast in in specific, we literally kicked off 2021 with me kind of shitting on both Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And now That's here bold. we are. <laughs> yeah, no, TJ's been stone cold. Listen, T- TJ, is it like seasonal, like seasonal, like, no. uh, d- like destroy things disorder? No. TJ, you're entitled to your opinions. Like, yeah. However, this opinion is bad and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm scared yes. of. I'm, just I'm, yes. so I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm just in a mood to. <laughs> I knew uh, that coming in. I knew that was going to be the case coming in. I'm coming into hostile territory. It's like I'm the away team in the in the final playoff game going in. <laughs> To people who have not been to a Super Bowl in 50 years. <laughs> it's just because we love the show so much. And so we hug it and we're protecting it. We must protect the baby Yoda. And I'm going yeah, to we are, rip we are the that IG. baby. We are Taika Waititi. <laughs> Out of your arms. Okay, I have to look. I have to start getting back into the into the vibe that I had when we were talking about Star Wars, like going into the contrarian mindset, the unpopular mindset, and just thriving in the chaos of like I am going to watch my favorite franchise burn. I need to get back into that mindset. <laughs> but if you don't like this franchise, then. It's okay. It's my favorite. Fr- like growing up, Star Wars was legit my favorite franchise. That's why. That's why, like saying the stuff I say now, I always had to keep bringing that up. I'm like, look, none of this is. Actually, no. Some of this, when talking about the movies, is very personal. But it's not like personal. Like I've always hated Star Wars. It's personal in that I've always loved Star Wars. So I'm going to talk about it with no gloves on because it's like, yeah, it's like when you, it's like when you, it's like when you shit talk your brothers and sisters, it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hit really fucking close to home and I'm not going to pull any punches, but like, I, but like, I love you. Like I grew up with you. I I know you, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be nice. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Yeah, you could say that about your brothers and sisters, but this is kind of like your sister's kid. Yeah. Oh, the Mandalorian. Maybe you should. Maybe you should be nicer to your nephew. No. <laughs> yes, it's it's a baby nephew too. This baby is fresh born, toddler, baby. I'm gonna be. Like, it's, it's like your sister had a kid, and you're looking at that kid, being like. Don't fucking look at me. Stop snitching, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> God damn it. The streak continues. <laughs> yep. 
I had to. I had to get my John Mulaney. Uh, All right, let's just start talking about it. No, um, no, one so, more thing. Molly, I, you, you, just, want... you just reminded me. Okay. This is basically, now I am the embodiment of that video. We've all seen that video by this point of like uh, the guy that just goes on a slapping spree and <laughs> just slaps everybody at the party. You you know that? Vi- How? What? No. <gasps> That's going to be the meme. That's going to be the meme for this episode. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put it up so you guys can see All it. Right, yeah, on. but let's start. Uh, chapter one, The Mandalorian. A Mandalorian bounty hunter tracks a target for a well-paying, mysterious client. Dun, dun, dun. Ba-ba-bum, Do you all have anything to say about this episode? I have so many things to say about it. Yes, yeah, go for it. Well, my first note is what a riveting start. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think especially having watched the series and then rewatched the series, um, it really does indicate after rewatching how much uh, like how much the Mandalorian has grown as a uh, can, are we going to call him by Din Djarin or are we going to call him Mando? Um, you can do what it like. Just. Yeah. OK, I'm setting it. We're going to call him Mando just to make it quicker. Um, how much Mando grows as a person through the first two seasons, because he's fucking ruthless. And this beginning. Well, he's still ruthless. And that's what I think pulled me in so quickly. There you go. Yes, but in a different way. He's ruthless and like Like, fierce protector dad later on. Right, exactly. I love I love the 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 animation somebody put online of like of the the two of them FaceTiming and it's like the 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 music is just you're my dad. It's my dad. And he's like holding the phone like You're my dad. Yeah, no. He's his dad. It's a it's a dad story. But he's not, he's a, he's not dad yet in this one. No. <laughs> I, I'm being so, I'm, I'm avoiding this so much. Um, no, I think the first episodes, <laughs> it, it, it opens the door, especially because there's a cliffhanger. The, the, the biggest spoiler probably, I would say the end of the first episode where we meet the child was probably the biggest reveal in Star Wars. Okay. Like it's probably the third biggest reveal in Star Wars. I don't even know what number two is. Um, with number one being Darth Vader, but like it's like it's easily in the top five reveals. Everything of all Star else Wars in history. Star Wars is pretty uh, easily guessable, I think. Right, if you speak German. Right. Um, but the child was was a massive surprise to people, yeah. which is which sucks because I didn't watch it right off the right off the gate, and I saw people talking about a baby Yoda, and I was like, what? I somehow avoided that spoiler. Huh? I and I waited a few episodes. I think I waited two episodes maybe, and. Becca was just like, Molly, you have to watch this. I'm not going to say anything else. You just have to. And then I texted her, all caps, Baby Yoda. And, like, that was before I knew that that was a thing that people were calling it. But, like, of course you're going to call it that. And I'm just, I'm smitten. He's perfect. He's a puppet. He, ugh. Yeah, put a pin Put a pin in the whole puppetry thing. Because I think, we like, we should take a moment to talk about puppetry when we go into the general discussion. Because, um, like... Damn. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's a fantastic setup to the to the series in that it very clearly establishes this is a Western. We're going to meet probably a bunch of like in and out revolving door characters with this one main guy on this quest. And then you throw a wrench in the world um, in a very, you know, kind of conventional hero's journey way of something changes in, in his status quo that he has to then adapt to. TJ? Meh. Meh? You just thought it was meh? Uh, the beginning was um, okay for me. Um, 
And you know what? Because it's a thing that bleeds into so much of the fiber of the show, I think I'll kind of just leave that for now. Because the things I have to say about the first episode are basically the things that I have to say more or less for the entirety of The Mandalorian. So, um, yeah, it's it's a Western. It's like, yep, that's it. I have a few, like, tiny bullet points that I just wanted to point out. One, mm-hmm. the yeah. foreshadowing of IG-11 saying, I cannot be destroyed, I must self-destruct, is impeccable. Um, and that Werner Herzog is wearing an imperial medal around his neck like he won it in the Olympics, and I think that's neat. It's just Werner Herzog at the entire thing. Just, just this is the thing I need you to do and for me. And it's so intense. The... It's, it's, but it's also, it also in the moment, I'll admit, look, thinking back to the first time I watched it, it did take me out of it just a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah but. So, but it's fun. Because um, also, you're not going to have Star Wars without the weird fucking character. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just the IG unit is the first instance of like setting up everything that is the, the season to come. Because I'll admit, like, as we talk about these first episodes in this first season, I was definitely waiting for the connectivity. Um, I was sitting here going, ah, I really hope they don't, that it's not just a permanent sense of hopping from thing to thing to thing and that there's something like kind of bigger. Oh, going but you on. knew that and then they he did. was going to come back to all of these planets and gather his little squad up and go off and save the world together. I was, I was hoping, but I didn't know for sure. But so, yeah, like, so that's the first instance of like, of like the threads that will eventually connect to the whole thing, which is definitely like one of the moments where I'm like, thank God, finally someone's planning star Wars Yeah, <laughs> because for the longest time we had no fucking plan. Nope. And then they got people in who had plans who either did the, the clone war series or did a Marvel cinematic universe. And so I'm like, great, perfect. They had a plan. Mm-hmm. So anything else on chapter one? Nope. Cool. Chapter two. Molly chapter two chapter two the child having tracked down a valuable quarry the mandalorian must now contend with thieving bandits uh i would i will say that like this does feel like a a means to an end to give the child a reason to use the force um like you know i i'm not particularly interested in the jawa subplot it just it definitely did feel like a uh, okay, cool. We're going to stress this out a little bit more so that we don't have to immediately go back into the heavy shit. And we got to get get a couple more things in line before we send him back to back to Navarro. That's fair, but it's a series. And I think that it's kind of like in a sitcom, for example, it's a situation comedy. And this kind of is a situation sci-fi space western. And like, he gets into situations until it becomes necessary to the plot to just be plot point, plot point, plot point, plot point. Um, and I think that the Jawas actually are, it is kind of good that they introduced them there because otherwise bringing them back later with the suit of armor, not that the armor was on the same planet, um, but bringing them back later, it's like, oh yeah, those, the Jawas. And I think that that's good for people who might not know Star Wars as well because I know a lot of people watched this for Baby Yoda. So, yeah, I really liked this episode. I feel sorry for the people that watched Mandalorian knowing basically nothing about Star Wars. Because there's quite a few, like... I think they do a pretty good job. 
<laughs> because by compa- because by comparison, like I, I, I by comparison, I feel sorry for people who will start the Star Wars series with the Phantom Menace. Like that's not it's 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 the same thing. You learn eventually who everybody is, right? I think that this episode, what I my favorite part about this episode, and and I guess something that's going to come back later when we talk about the series as a whole, but the music. Um, I know some people don't like the music for The Mandalorian, but I think it's amazing. And when Baby Yoda does his little force push of the mud horn and the music swells and everything's kind of slow motion and Mando's like, "Ah," and doesn't do anything like an idiot. Like, I just thought that was a perfect Star Wars moment. Loved it. A plus. No, I think the. I also just I I like the. Sorry, go ahead. DJ. I was just gonna say to piggyback off what Molly said. I think the music is probably the best part of the Mandalorian. It's so good. I, I also I also do like that they made a choice because, uh, something that I liked the most about the sequel trilogies is like doubt in the Force. Like in, through all the prequels, you get like this sense where everybody's very steeped in the Force. It's all about the Jedi. Um, and then it kind of becomes a given in the, in the original trilogy. And like, I like that here, it's like, not everybody knows that like, this is a thing that people can do and, and they can have genuine reactions to the shock of it. Um, and even though he's a Mandalorian, he doesn't necessarily know the history with the Jedi. And that's something that I think is, is one of the richest parts of the lore with all this is the Mandalorian creed and its relationship to the Jedi, which if you watch the TV shows, like literally I got to about... Um, you know, midway through season two. And then I finally went, you know what? I actually think I do want to look back at the Mandalorian stuff from the Clone Wars. And I just, I did a skip hop quick, quick watch where I was like, just give me the episodes where this is important. And then I ended up getting hooked. I looked at all the major story arcs. I skipped the the blatantly filler episodes for that show. And I really enjoyed it. And so like, it's starting to fill out this other part of the world that's not just about the Jedi and the Sith. And I like that. Yes. Um, filling out the bounty hunters, filling out the filling out the Mandalorians and other races and other histories is so much fun and really built upon what we like about Star Wars in the first place, which is the world. Absolutely. I think that the to think that everyone in the galaxy knew about the Jedi and knew about the Jedi Temple and and was contained in like the six planets that we visit in the original trilogy like to think that everyone knows about that would be to be like, it's a very um, Eurocentric kind of American worldview. And this was the first time, because I've never watched the Clone Wars series, like, this was the first time that I was like, oh my god, these people have never fucking heard of Luke Skywalker. Like, that's awesome. And, and, oh, I guess that's the next episode. No, just, I'll just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else for this one, TJ? Uh, pretty basic. Yeah, we can move on. Uh, chapter three, the sin. The battered Mandalorian returns to his client for reward, but some deals don't end. But some deals don't end neatly. I will say the first time I watched this, I wasn't sure what if he was going to go back. Oh, I didn't know if he was going to leave it for like later. Yes, that scene with him in the ship. And he reaches for the little silver ball. There's no silver ball there. He's like, oh, fuck, I got to put the silver ball back. And then he stands there and he stares at it. And he's wearing a silver face mask with no eye holes or nothing. And you see all of these emotions pass over his little face. And then 
he makes a decision and he does it. And that was the first time that I was like, this is brilliant. Like the show was cute and good before. I think the show is brilliant because of how much emotion Pedro Pascal is able to convey on a mask by tilting his head in a certain way. It's, it's chef's kiss. Yeah, I agree. I think that he, I mean, honestly, it's probably Pedro Pascal's best performance thus far. Um, and especially like in the in the moments where obviously if you're listening to this, you probably will have seen the Mandalorian in its entirety. Um, the moments where he does take off the mask, I think, are because they make it such an important factor to his character that then the, the juxtaposition of how he expresses himself with it on and how he expresses himself with it off is is powerful. And so, yeah, so that moment where he does kind of make that decision. And also, I think the flashbacks do this episode a lot of good. Mm -hmm. um, even if they're vague, even if you don't quite get the whole story. Um, because I, I I almost feel like they wanted to tell that story, but didn't want it to be so much about his past. Because uh, I think it's just that one scene and it's done. Um, but the flashbacks definitely connect it. And it wasn't until the second time through that I watched it there, I was like, Oh, it's about being an orphan. Like that's that's the catalyst. Like yes, the ball is the decision maker, but like that's the catalyst for him because I because it's it's downplayed in the episode and I wish they did a little bit more with it about just how important adopting orphans is to their creed. Like they say it, but they don't really emphasize it enough to you go, "Oh, that's why he's doing this it." Is and it took way. me a second rewatch for me to this is the way. <laughs> um for me to do that. Uh, for me to finally get that. And I also really enjoy, this is again, the beginning of me talking about how I enjoy the action scenes in this show. Um, I enjoy the ingenuity in which they do, they have to solve problems and uh, the very strong flip-flopping and reverses of fortune um, when it comes to the Mandalorians coming out at the end and then every bounty hunter, you know, cornering him and him being just pinned down to a, to a truck. Um, and I also love that we, I forgot to mention this before, I love how they've established uh, the Mando's distrust of droids and why um, throughout this whole thing. And I like how that continues to the rest of it. And so the him being on that little trailer driven by a, an astromech droid um, just reminded me of how much I like that as well. Uh I like the Creed. So yeah. you so you like the cult. <laughs> it's not a look. <laughs> I it's I mean no, it's actually not really a cult. Here's the thing. Well, okay, well, no, we'll get I, to that in season two. We'll get to that yeah. in season two. You can cut me saying that. Yeah. But I have I am so fascinated by the different um Mandalorian creeds and like the different Mandalorian ways and like there is only one way, and we'll get to that, but fascinating. Mm -hmm. Like the first time I saw this episode, before I got to that episode in season two, which kind of calls that into question, I genuinely just thought this was the culture of just, like, that race. And I dug... That is kind of the stuff that I dig is when we can kind of get a little bit deeper into how, like, different cultures are very specific to themselves within Star Wars. Um, because that's something that we unfortunately... We unfortunately never get enough of in the movies uh, is like they love hopping to different planets and they love trotting out different species. But like, I think a genuinely missed opportunity in the prequels was that they kind of just trot out the Gungans. 
they f- they have a big fight at the end of the first movie and then that's it like and really the only way they get the gungans help is by like there's one like there's a single scene which kind of just like just nips everything all up in the bud like very quickly and it's just like well it would have kind of been nice if the gungans were like actually like a key part of the trilogy and like again the same thing applies to Naboo in general where they play a lot of they pay a lot of lip service to like Naboo being you know or like I wouldn't even say, no that's the issue they don't pay lip service cuz Queen Amidala like Padme is such a key character throughout all three movies but we actually don't really get how Naboo specifically is important except that Padme's on our screen a lot, so we just mm-hmm. infer that they're important. But it would be nice to know that they're important because they have this specific, like, trade deal, or they have this specific seat in the Senate. Like, you know, it's kind of like how uh, in the election we we knew we had swing states. Like, if there was something, like, kind of akin to that, that would be really cool to, like, know that, no, Naboo's seat in the Senate is, like, very important, uh, or something like that. And I like that in Mandalorian, or in this episode specifically, we do get a sense of like, you know, okay, so this is just genuinely how the culture kind of works. And not a lot, not a, not too much is made of it. Once they say, this is the way, I got it. I was just like, okay. This is the way. Yeah. The second they did that, I was like, okay, I get exactly what this is about. Yeah. To be clear, TJ, I agree with you. I think that this the covert and all of these the the Mandalorian rituals and everything that they do is awesome and so specific and also like it seems like the Mandalorian creed is really based on family and belonging and like Trevor said adopting orphans and like taking care of people who have less power than them and I think that it is absolutely fascinating that they are enemies with the Jedi um, and absolutely fascinating that they're, I, I guess this is a little bit later, but that they're willing to put all of that aside because Baby Yoda has no power and they need to take care of him. I think that, I think we can all agree that Star Wars ultimately has always been about good and evil or like right and wrong, I guess, more than good and evil. And the Mandalorians seem to do what's right. And I think what's really interesting about maybe I should save this this point for when we're talking about it as a whole. Oh, but but I did have a note we're about this episode. About um the the note I had about this episode was when he says um that he had help and she said like what and he's like I was helped by an enemy and she said why did he help you and she said it did not know it was my enemy. I thought that was beautiful because baby Yoda is so innocent and doesn't know like enemies from friends correct it's actually funny i I just to like backtrack a hot sec tj that you bring up swing states as a thing because to give you guys a little background as the clone wars that's what mandalore was in the clone wars was a swing state they were neutral and so that's a whole thing with them and neutrality and them being an important planet and so that's why i like i really hope that this series will kind of backtrack and give the live action audience some of that background information because it's very fascinating 
how Mandalore, like Mandalore's whole entire culture. But also, like, as we go through this, we're going to see other cultures, like like the, the Tusken Raiders and the fish people, um, like, of, of uh, what's-his-face's race. Um, fuck, what's his name? It's a trap. Mon Calamari? Um, Akbar. The Mon Calamari. Yeah, Admiral Akbar. Yeah, the Mon Calamari. We're going to see their culture. And so, like, yeah, we're going to see, like, a whole bunch of cultures. I mean, hell, in the next episode, um, in Chapter 4 of the Sanctuary, uh, Mandalorian teams up with an ex-soldier to protect a farming village from raiders. They do, I think they do a really great job of just giving us, it's not too detailed and it's not like we don't know their government structure or anything like that. But I think that like watching them train the, that village on that planet is a rewarding bit of character development. And we get to see somebody from his past as they start to develop what's going on with the Republic during all this time. Um, and with them trying to escape and maybe potentially having a life somewhere else. I don't like the shoehorned romance. I didn't, you know, I don't think that's needed. Um, but, and then just the raising of the stakes of, well, you can't, you can't escape this. You're going to have to confront this head on with this child. It's going to be impossible to run. <laughs> My main note on episode four was Pillboy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Which so TJ, good. you won't know because so you don't watch The Good Place. But... One of the actors in the village is a very goofy character on The Good Place. Um, and it's it was just, uh, it was so weird seeing him. There's a lot of instances like that with this show where it's like, oh, hey, it's that comedian. Right. Oh, hey, it's that. They love comedians. Bill Burr. Between Bill Burr, Amy, uh, uh, Amy Sedaris, uh, the guy who drives the, the Horatio Sands, the guy who drives the speeder when they're on the ice planet um, it, that gets eaten by the, by the, uh, like, undersea ice crocodile is a comedian like they love their comedians in this show i'm pretty sure i don't know who they are but the two uh stormtroopers with the speeders at the end of this season are both comedians oh they were like they love their funny people yeah and it's great seeing the funny people doing things that are less funny like well amy sedaris is obviously is obviously a funny character in this and those two speeder guys are but like bill burr uh well we'll get there but like yeah so good fantastic episode four um one moment that i wanted to call out as like a moment of growth for the show was baby yo-yo putting the frog in his mouth in front of the children and all the children being like ew and him spitting the frog out because he was like oh I want to be liked by these people. And he's like having a learning and growing moment. And it was really sweet. Apparently he Seeing didn't learn. Apparently he didn't so retain so that lesson for the frog, for the frog mom episode. But you know, <laughs> we're yeah, going to, those weren't live See, I want, I just want one little, I want one little, one little throwaway. When somebody finally recognizes his species to go, yeah, they eat frogs. It's like, okay, great. <laughs> so this is a natural thing for him to do there's a thing on on the internet which is like they somebody said that they hope that so they find out that like their species is like naturally carnivorous and so like there's a moment where it's like yeah no yoda the greatest jedi of all time chooses not to be a fucking monster <laughs> uh which would bring it very a lot of depth it's probably not gonna happen that way but like come on that'd be fantastic um and any other things on episode four uh, it's pretty by the book. Um, you know, we've seen, like, we've seen this story. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of the first season. Too. Yeah. Chapter five. This is the chapter where it all really heated up for me. The gunslinger. 
On a familiar desert planet, the Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. And I just have to say, like, Fennec Shand is maybe the best character in Star Wars and also May the not when. So hot. I just, ooh. She's fantastic. She's so good. She's... Just uh, the whole package, really. Yeah. Um, ooh. But here's the thing, is that, like, uh, two goods and a bad for this one. Really good, um, Amy Sedaris, uh, as a recurring character. We love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the way that they open the the cultural divide with the Tusken Raiders, because so much of our time is spent shitting on them yes. as some sort of outsider intruder. Yes. Um, but then the fact that the Mando can communicate with them and does the sign language thing and like treats them like natives. I was just like, yes, okay, progress, progress in the way we see ourselves and frame ourselves in Star Wars, um, yeah. let alone Latinos in space, um, as I've said before. Also, question about the sign language. So did they invent an intergalactic sign language for this show? I think it's just, I think it's the Tusken Raider language. I think that they've essentially said, we've had these guys who have done nothing but Google, Google, Google mm-hmm. for several movies. And what if they actually had another way of communicate? Because they're not very articulate. So what if they communicated through a combination of grunts and mm-hmm. sign? And I, so I think that literally he knows how to speak. Okay, language, okay. Um, which I, I think was, awesome. was a great character development and also a great cultural development for the yes. show um, to show that like not everybody looks at them even though like the the main people of Tatooine um, the settlers of Tatooine look at them as, as that way that not everyone does and I really like that the bad thing that fucking bounty hunter like who is that actor he's a singer he's him. a musician he's not an actor and he was bad oh, yeah go away yeah I don't like him um the fact that he's Get so much screen time. Like, get out of here. Yeah, no, but I mean, he's supposed to be really dislikable. But the about back to the sign language for a second. The fact that Mando knows how to communicate with the Tuscan Raiders, like he, that comes back later, and I think it's it's interesting because, like you said, the people of Tatooine see the Tuscans as like they're raiders, they're people who destroy our land, whatever. When really they live in the Dune Sea, and he knows that as an outsider, and I think it's interesting what it says about bounty hunters and why I love this show is because it's about people who are outside of, one, the law, two, of, like, quote, good or bad, like, they serve whoever is going to pay them, and so even while some people view the Tusken Raiders as bad, he's like, can they help me? And, And I think that makes... Bounty Hunters, super interesting, particularly this one. Yeah. Yeah, they're true neutral. Well, I think as, as we talk about Mando as a character, too, we're, I think we're going to talk a lot about honor. And, like, he is the most honorable of his trade, even and while being the best, which I think is something that is proven again, proven time and time again with his, his decisions and his character arc. Uh, okay, so chapter six, The Prisoner. Wait, 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 I have two more notes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, actually, uh, okay, uh, maybe three. One, the red, the red droid is back, and he comes back again later, but he is there, and I think that's great. The red, the red R2 unit, um, who I've heard some stories about him being like him and R2 having a conversation and R2 being like, I got to go with my bro. Can you please blow up your head? And then him being like, all right, sure. Go with your bro when in episode four. Um, So he stays on the planet and he's in this episode. And then two, 
th- is this the same cantina? And if so, it is being manned by a droid now, which I think is pretty dope because before they wouldn't let droids in. They're like, oh, none of your kind. And now the bartender is a droid. It is Mos Eisley, so yes. Yeah, that's the same cantina, right? Yes, it so is. So I love that for them. And that's, that's, that's the only important <laughs> Yay thing. Yay for droid liberation. <laughs> <laughs> K2SO would be proud. Yeah, that's all I got. That's, that, yep. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, chapter six, The Prisoner. The Mandalorian is part of a crew of mercenaries springing a convict from a prison ship. Probably one of the most celebrated episodes of the show oh, thus far. The best. Um, and definitely a fun take on a different trope um, of the horror trope. I think they they uh, have fun with it. I'm not going to say that they do it like perfectly, um, but I, they have fun with it. And also the introduction of Bill Burr's character um, of May, uh, Mayfeld. Um, and I'm and I'm very happy he comes back uh, because I'm like I could care less about some of these other characters, even though it does create that really kind of fun heist thing where it's like, ah, oh, what's what's in it for everybody? Um, I think Mando's one upsmanship of them in the very end where he gets the Republic to to take him out um, is really good. Uh, and so like and Richard, uh, I how do you say his name? Richard Ayoade um, is the is the droid in this one. Um and it was just it was just so fun seeing Bill Burr, where it was definitely one of those moments where it's like, it's Bill Burr. Why is Bill Burr in the Ah, I really like that Bill Burr is in yeah, this. Yeah, the whole cast in this episode, Bill Burr, Tonks, the actor who plays Tonks in Harry Potter, plays yeah. the 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 girl whose name I'm forgetting. The Twilight. Yes. And then her brother plays someone named Mando on Sesame Street, which I think is hilarious. Um, that's funny. Yeah, and I my notes actually did say this is just a perfect episode, and that's I'll I'll leave it at that. I I like that it comes back is important in multiple ways because Bill Burr comes back, but also because Mando when he's transporting Frog Lady later on is being tracked by those two um, New Republic officers, and they're like, "You broke out this prisoner, but you replaced him with these three, so we're gonna not kill you." Yeah. Tijay. Are you both? Are you, uh, you guys said everything about uh, ep- uh, chapter six? Yeah. Uh, can we move on to chapter seven? I'm starting to feel very okay. uneasy. <laughs> I'm right. starting to feel very bad. <laughs> you said you said this is like one of the most beloved episodes of from um, of like. TJ, if you didn't like it, you're allowed to not like it. Just tell oh. us. Oh no. Just um, tell us why didn't you like it. <laughs> Oh, uh, because uh, if you can't I defend did. the opinion, then it's a wrong opinion. That's all I uh, have to say about that. It's not that I can't. It's not that I can't defend it. It's just it's very. It's very difficult to like follow like somebody saying like I loved it. It was great. I loved everything about it. It's so it's so great. And then to go. I didn't like anything about it. Like it's Tell very us. much it's it's just very much like I don't really it kind of like it's like shooting a hole in the sail of the ship. It's kind of like, "Uh-oh." <laughs> Trevor and I oh, Trevor no. and I are not going to be prepared. offended. We're not going to sink. Like this is your podcast and you are allowed to say Trust that me. you don't like this show. We got we got plenty of sales for the rest of the show. <laughs> it's, it's we got backup fabric. 
I mean, I'm not even saying it's like specifically you two. It's just in general of like, it's hard because you're saying like, well, defend your opinion. I'm like, well, in order for me to de- defend my opinion, I literally don't see the same things that you're seeing. It's like, basically you were like, Hey, Bill Burr. And I'm like, I don't really care about Bill Burr. It's just like, it's that thing of like, for everything that you say, I just have the opposite kind of thing. So it's like, it's just going to sound, it's just going to sound like me being Simon Cowell. And like I alluded to in an earlier episode, like there are times when I really like being the Simon Cowell and I really play into it and it's fun. And then there are times when it just like, honestly, it seems like I'm just being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. And I swear I'm not. I swear I'm not. Like, because... Nobody's accusing you of that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm not saying that you guys are accusing me or anything, but just... <sighs> it's just it's just a thing of like, I didn't really like any of the characters... I didn't like the side mission. I didn't like the setup. Well, there really was no setup for the plot of this episode. They just kind of were there. And at the end, Mando kind of infers that, like, it was Grogu's idea to, like, go there. Or, like, I get that that's probably a joke. But, like, also, we really have no setup for why he goes there. So it's just kind of like, uh, I mean, I I feel like this is a joke. But since you didn't really set up why he goes there, it kind of, I'm kind of like, wait, but was that actually the reason? No, they no, they he goes there because he needs his ship repaired. Yeah, but money. like, and he has no other means to do it. Yeah, I mean, like, but why there specifically, and like, why he takes a mission there specifically? If there's like, they were his old friends from the days before he was in the guild. Yeah, but and like, he had to he had to pay for it somehow. Well, like. It's so clearly obvious from second one that he doesn't trust any of these fucking people that it's just like, okay. Mando doesn't trust anyone. Yeah, he's a bounty hunter. Mm. Uh, so anyway, okay. Yeah, so we, we understand why you don't like that one. So moving on to chapter seven. The Reckoning. An old contract sends an invitation for the Mandalorian to make peace with his enemies. That's not a good description. No. Um, <laughs> it's probably yeah, I read it and I was like, wait, what happens in this episode? This is the episode <laughs> no, where he goes this back. Is the, this is the beginning of the climax. He picks <laughs> up all of his ragtag group of heroes and they begin their journey. And it's yeah, so good, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's I feel like the, the rest of the episode is blurring for me just because of the entrance of Moff Gideon. Because, like, I'm trying to think back of, like, okay, what was their plan to, like, fool Werner Herzog? And, like, why were they... Do- well, how were they doing it? And they were leaving the child behind that's on the ship. Fair. But... And then they... Well, and then they had the whole thing. Oh, well, actually, no. The, the the thing about this episode, which is, like, I don't mind it, but I could see how it would make somebody groan, was it came out, like, just before the rise of Skywalker. And very clearly did the property synergy thing of introducing force healing. Yes. Yes, yes, the force healing, the force healing. Yes, and I think that a lot of people were like, oh, only Sith can do that. Ooh, is Baby Yoda a Sith? Like, ooh, ooh. And I'm like, that's not, so yeah, okay, this, that's, first of all, that's not what's important to me. But second of all, I think this episode did a few things that were like, hmm? Like, for example, they 
went back to the original plan that they thought they were doing, like it was a new plan. Um, when he turned around, shot when um, Grief Karga turns around and shoots his two men. Yeah, and then he's like, "All right, well, what if, uh, what if I go?" And then he's like, "Let me go." And then it's like, "This was your original plan. Why are you acting so confused?" So it did that. It also um, did get a little muddled when Moff Gideon came in, but I liked that Cara Dune was like, who is this guy? Uh, because that's kind of mirroring how everyone's feeling at that moment. But I think that something that it did do really well is IG-11, like the return of IG-11 being a nurse droid, seeing him mm-hmm. being trained as a nurse droid, and then him saying, droids are not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of those who imprint them. In my opinion, that's like the same as bounty hunters and it's kind of like showing these two like the unity that mando should feel with this droid because both of them do as they need to based on the instructions that they're given plus ig11 is just like so good as a character like when we Mm -hmm. get to episode eight he has his beautiful moment thanks taika yeah uh yeah um, but this episode was a little confusing. I will give it that. Yeah, it's a little muddy. Yeah. And also, R.I.P. I was just going to say, I thought it was Queel. Quill. Quill, yeah. Yeah, R.I.P. He is also a really great character because he was like, I have worked a lifetime to be free from servitude, but then he does this because it is what is right and good. And he wants to protect a child. And he's like trying to protect the child. He's trying so hard. And... Uh, really sad i cried i'm also kind of glad that he's like the only character the only like they could have killed off a lot more characters i actually expected them to Mm -hmm. but that was a i they 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 set him up in a i think a a a way that i personally cared about him oh yeah he is they slipped this in he's lived three human lifetimes he's like hundreds of years old (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, for anyone who's uh, seen The Dark Knight Rises, this is basically uh, Matt Modena, or Matt Modine, I think that's his name. Um, that character that, like, during the, you know, insurrection, if I'm using that word right, of Gotham City, like, this former police uh, police captain or something like that, like, is just kind of hiding with his family. And he's like, look, dude, uh, you guys do whatever you want, but I got to stay with my family. I got to protect them. That's that's I, I got to do this. And they kind of guilt trip him into going like, look, this is what's right. You have to stand with us and fight, you know, these these criminals. And then he does. And then he dies. And that's like that's like, yeah, that's like basically this also of just like, look, man, I'm living in peace. I, I'm doing whatever I want to do. Uh, I'm happy. I'm content. And then. He does what's right, and then he dies. And it's tragic. That's the thing, is that, like, we're, we're going to talk so much about how it's like we've seen these stories before XYZ, but it's kind of like, like, yeah, I can make spaghetti for myself, but then my mom makes me spaghetti. Yeah, I wasn't really making a comment. That. I was just saying that I was reminded. Yeah, that, yeah. No, 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 but, like, I, I still stand by what I said, where it's like, you know, you can make something for yourself, and then your mom makes it for you. And it's like, I've had this before, but I'm more satisfied with this version. Sure. All right, chapter eight. Chapter eight, Redemption. The Mandalorian and his allies come to know their true enemy, who already knows much about them, including their middle names, Karis and Theodune. Yeah, seriously. 
<laughs> I mean, honestly, Giancarlo Esposito, fantastic choice for this role. Um, and the the speech he makes about uh, the thing that he wants. Um, you have and something just the, the brutality and the number. Yes. And the brutality of the people and the number. And then the teaser at the end for people who know what the Darksaber is and the fact that he has it. It was there was a lot of of awesome happening with that episode between the jetpack and uh, seeing what happened to the covert and uh, the sacrifice of the IG unit and uh, grief uh, looking at baby Yoda going do the do the hand thing. Do the little um, hand thing oh, yeah, and then baby Yoda to, going hi. And we forgot to acknowledge the baby Yoda force uh, force pro- uh, propelling fire. Um, we forgot yeah. to talk about that He's, because well, I actually had forgotten about that. No, that's in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. But yeah. It's like just the the amount of the amount of awesome things that happen in this episode. You can talk. I mean, like, yeah, I'm sure if I really looked at it deeper, I could be like mm, that or mm, that. But just the amount of awesome in this episode, even watching it a second time, I was just like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's why yeah. I kept watching this. Show. I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. I thought IG when when Mando is like dying and Baby Yoda protects him. Which first of all, how does Baby Yoda have enough manpower to? deflect a giant fireball but sometimes he can't like take a rock out of someone's hand like in next season he's like eh, can't take the rock but anyway um when mando is dying and ig is like i need to take your helmet off he says no living thing has seen me since i put this thing on and he says i am not a living thing oh oh i weep every time i'm like yes you fucking did ig <sighs> yeah this whole episode is just like you said a whole lot of awesome and also many many a nazi parallel here um particularly bringing it back to the siege of mandalore and the night of a thousand tears which sounds very much like the the night of broken glass or yes crystal yeah Knocked. crystal knocked yeah so um that was interesting and I had a few questions, though, logistically. Mando is so certain that this is Moff Gideon because he knows his name. Um, Do the Mandalorians, like, not call each other by their names, first of all? Like, they do. Um, He just doesn't tell anybody else his name? Yeah, so that actually, if you know a little bit of the history of Mandalore from the other shows, you get it. Um... But I think that they're going to do a better job of explaining their history in the future. Basically, the fact that Moff Gideon has the Darksaber. The Darksaber is a super powerful lightsaber that was taken by the founder of Mandalore from the Jedi in their first, like, spat war with one another. And it is essentially the relic that Mandalore claims on their behalf that declares who the ruler of Mandalore is. Um, and so Moff Gideon having it and being the one who oversaw like Mandalore during the Empire's reign and ruled over Mandalore means that he technically is the rightful ruler of Mandalore. He had to uh, best someone in battle to claim that as his own. Um, and so technically they have to defer to him by their creed. And so the fact that that uh, Mando knows who he is means that when he was rescued from his planet, he was brought to Mandalore, which means he has lived under the rule of Moff Gideon. But he didn't explain that that way. He explained that Moff Gideon was an Imperial officer during the Purge. 
right? Isn't that what he said? Right. I think I think that I think that the purge has something to do with what what the Empire did to Mandalore, which I think we're getting hints at right in season two that it's like basically a wasteland now or they blew it up one of the two and so i think that's a part of it and i think to answer your question is like do they not say their names to each other i think they do but i think the outside world isn't supposed to know their name gotcha so that's why they are all referred to as mando right okay uh the highlight for this episode for me was the stormtroopers at the beginning um because I think in all of season one, it was the most emotion that I had actually shown. Um, because it just, it took me so off guard that like, they went so, they committed so much to this little comedy bit. Where I think like, almost any other thing in any other Star Wars thing by anybody else would have had that maybe be like a two minute scene maybe. And it's just like, we're with it for so long that I was just like, okay. Yeah. Cause this is kind of been what I've been wanting for more of Mandalorian was more goofiness at points and more kind of like levity at some points, even if it's not goofy, like just like, more moments to kind of like kind of juxtapose the stoic nature of Mando and, you know, the seriousness of certain situations. Like, I don't really need a Jar Jar Binks to walk in to every episode, please God. But at the same time, like something like this at the very end of the season was just like, it was a catharsis of just like, okay, yes, thank you. Cause like, this is kind of what I've been asking for a little bit. Um, so yeah, that was my highlight. Uh, also, also I, it's interesting because I knew, thank you. Spoilers. I knew that Ahsoka Tano was going to be, uh, in season two. And before I watched that episode, I asked Trev, Like, do I actually need to watch some of the Clone Wars before I go into this? And he was like, no. But I, the reason I asked that is because I haven't watched any of Clone Wars. Well, I've watched, like, the very first episode of Clone Clone Wars. But very, like, kind of like Parks and Recreation, people kind of go, yeah, but the first season is the first season. You should kind of start with season two. Um but, like, I haven't really watched Clone Wars, and I definitely haven't watched Rebels. But I've seen... Because I knew I kind of was never going to watch Rebels, I went ahead and, like, watched people, like, talk about Rebels. And because of that, I had physically seen the Dark Saber, So I knew it was a thing. And I went into this final episode, and I saw the Dark Saber come up, and I was just like... I don't know if I had very by chance watched that thing I watched, if I would have even kind of been been even kind of somewhat aware of like what even this was, or and I think if I had never seen that, I would genuinely be like, okay, wait, what? Because it's like the last shot, so I, it's like treated with all this weight and importance, and I'm kind of like. Huh. And I get I get that reaction, but I think a lot of other people were just sitting there going, 
oh, fuck, that's cool. That would be me. I had never heard of the Darksaber before, and I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? I mean, I thought it looked cool, but I was like, what's going on? So I I read a description of the episodes since I had already watched it, and I saw, like, the first thing they said was the Darksaber, the Mandalorian relic, and I was like, oh, okay, got it. So, yeah, that was my real only things uh, about episode... Eight chapter eight, uh, the season finale for, I guess book one. I guess they're doing. I guess if they're calling these chapters, they're books, and especially how they dubbed like they did the little epilogue for season two and what they're calling the next one. Like I think books is actually, which is interesting yeah. mm-hmm. because my favorite thing of all time is Avatar, and Avatar also did that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Filoni. Uh, so. Yeah, anything else about the finale? No. Okie dokie. Chapter 9, The Marshal. The Mandalorian is drawn to the Outer Rim in search of others of his kind. Space Western, Space Western, Space Western, Space Western. Yeah, no, I, I had to, the, literally when I watched that first episode of the season, I was like, Timothy Oliphant? Oliphantastic. <laughs> like, which is so perfect because he's such a, like, that such like that Western character. Also, the misdirect, because I think everybody was like, oh, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and then it wasn't, and then it was. But, and then it was. Um, and then it was, but I I don't know. For this one, I think, is just a good, again, it's a good execution in the Star Wars realm of a story we know before. It's the, oh, the villagers have to team up with the Native Americans to defeat the larger force, and and I think it's just a, I think it was just, it was fun a fun reintroduction to the season for me. Um, it's an episode that probably could have fit in season one, if they really wanted it to, uh, in terms of like the whole like, oh, this is a serial set of other adventures because we don't really click into the larger adventure till the third episode of the season. Right. Um, but I I mean, like, I enjoyed it. I, I liked all the planning and the alliances and the shakiness of it. And um, it was, you know, predictable, obviously. But, uh, you know, I liked the Jonah and the whale kind of thing. Um, I have a friend who does the post uh, Mandalorian spoilers without posting spoilers. And somebody, everybody was just posting Jonah and the whale uh, like memes or like Iron Man from the Avengers memes. I felt like this was actually a weak start to the season. I liked a few things. Um, R5 was in this again. That's the red R2 unit who I have feelings about. Um, but I, th- I, I was just like, oh, just... There was so much unnecessary animal cruelty in this one. And as a vegan, I did not appreciate it. I felt uncomfortable the whole time. They lured this thing out of its sleep to blow it up and then used a bantha who definitely did not want to be there to blow it up. I was uncomfortable with that. Then also the mechanics. Is it the crate dragon or the cray dragon or the cree dragon? Like, what is it called? I think it's crate. The crate dragon, the mechanics of it don't make any sense. It would create such earthquakes doing the things that it does. Um, it's like you see the the sand liquefy as it's going underneath, but then people can still stand on it. And like I could see in the town a little bit, they had built up foundations for the houses to be on and things fell over and stuff. But when they're all standing out there and it dives under the sand, like they would crumble before it shot out again. Like it didn't make any sense. And I was just kind of distressed by that. And I was upset. But so like 
in terms of showing us about the armor and the Jawas and him getting the armor, like, that's what this episode was good for. And that's that's pretty much where I stand on it. And I thought it was okay. Yeah. All right. Chapter 10, The Passenger. Mandalorian must ferry a passenger with precious cargo on a risky journey. This was Chamber of Secrets on crack cocaine. <laughs> Just why like, do you say that? Ice what? spiders. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just a bunch of ice spiders. Terrifying and ice spiders. Terrifying in varying sizes, just like in Chamber of Secrets when they walk into the forest and it's like, oh, little spiders. Oh, bigger spiders. Oh, really, really big spider. And then they're like landing on you. And I was listening to this in my headphones and it was like, and it was horrible, horrifying, hated every second of that. I could not watch. However, there was a very good moment when they were crashed and... Mando says to Baby Yoda, what are you doing? Make yourself useful. And Baby Yoda basically goes, I'm Baby. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. I love Frog Lady. Frog Lady. Yes. A plus. I love her. She is adorable. She is precious. She is a strong woman trying to make her way throughout the galaxy. Um, She is smart in constructing the translator. And I love her. Um, I wish that she was a, a full-on character that we see a lot of because she's fucking adorable. Her reactions are adorable. I don't care what else happens in this episode. I stand Frog Lady. And also eggs. And the eggs. And when she when she's running from the spiders and she leaps and you see her little face and I wish that this was not an audio medium so you could see my face, but she goes like... Yeah. She's <laughs> and like, I loved that. Mouth wide. Yeah, and I think that also I love the, her. when she does um, reconstruct Zero to be the speaker of her voice, Mando is so surprised because he had been thinking mm-hmm. of her as this like helpless housewife who doesn't speak his language, so therefore is dumb and uneducated. And then she's like, let me rewire this droid so that he can understand how actually smart and powerful I am and he can get his shit together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Teach. This marks the episode where I stopped liking Grogu. Well, I mean, he's a kid, dude. <laughs> he's baby. He's also eating actual children. So They're not actual children. They're they unfertilized are no, they are eggs. no different than unfertilized uh chicken. We are not we are not we are not we are not going <laughs> to vegan and even i say that baby yoda's okay there like they're unfertilized like yes he was stealing this woman's property and it was a little stressful um my thing is that i can't find it cute it's not adorable when he does it it's just like the first time he does it fine but like literally mando has said do not fucking do this and he keeps doing it and it just makes it so now i think from this point on Grogu starts to feel more like the character that fucks shit up rather than like a cute like escort mission like because even he does even get the them fucking, into most of their trouble yeah even the egg that starts but he's a kid yeah that doesn't excuse it for me that will never be an excuse for me well he's a kid and he's a kid don't have kids he's also been I probably won't in a cage for most of his life like being yeah 
Like, he doesn't know how to interact with other people. He said, I'm hungry. I want to eat. Like, seriously, how many times have you have kids been told, don't go eat that candy in the cabinet? And the kid's like, I know where the fucking candy is, so I'm going to go eat the yeah, fucking candy. Yeah, it pisses candy. me off. Yeah, it pisses <laughs> me off. I, but he's this a child. He needs to learn empathy. <laughs> he needs to learn it. It's not innate. Like... Look, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right. It doesn't fly okay. for me. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, There was one other thing. Oh, yeah. It's fucking dumb as hell that they know that Mando can't understand Frog Lady, and they have zero way. They, like, they leave. They leave Tatooine with no way for Mando to understand this. Who thought this was a good idea? Are you people intelligent at all? You don't have one protocol droid to spare on Tatooine. Like, you don't have... Et- like, the fucking junkyard lady understands her. Why didn't the you no, know or something? Like She said she trusted no, her. No, they, they make like- that clear. She doesn't understand her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that she's like, I don't understand her, but I trust her. Yeah, uh-huh. fine. But, like, again, this is the dumbest thing I've ever... Wait, well, okay. wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Amy Sedaris communicates with her. She goes... Oh, yeah, I did remember it right. <laughs> Did you like my frog lady? Feels so gaslit right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> she just didn't like, know her beforehand. Okay, right. I was I was shouting at my screen like the stereotypical black man I am. I was just like, "Why did you leave with no translator? That makes no sense." Yeah, he really should have brought <laughs> Amy Sedaris with him. Baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. What? What are you talking about, oh, baby? Man, that was a grown ass <laughs> man. Oh, I got it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, also, I kind of didn't fully get the whole. Well, we gotta run from the New Republic thing. Cause I'm like, wait, did you do something? Yeah. What did you do? He broke a did prisoner you, wait, out what? of high security yeah. prison. And he was Did seen. they track the ship? Yeah, is they that, tracked. Is they, that the... they know what ship was there. Okay, that was a little. That's a thing that like was kind of. I I feel like we needed a little bit more of a like. This is why that's happening. Because I'm like, there's any number. Like Mando could have done any number of things. That's true. It that could have got him flagged for New Republic. So I was just like, what specific thing did you do? Right. Plus, <laughs> no, I think it's. I think it's more than that, though. I think it's just he doesn't have. It's almost like not having a license plate. Where they're like, uh, we're gonna pull you over. No, but he does. He's have- like, uh, if they pull me over, they're gonna learn. No, because he has an old code. That, right. that he thinks is supposed to get him by. And they're like, no, nah, you can't get by with that anymore. And he's like, if I get pulled over, they're going to find out everything. And we're all going to... No, I think that he wasn't showing... He was sitting there like, oh, I can't I can't run my chain code because this reason, this reason, this reason. And they're like, we'll wait. So he eventually runs it thinking, like, I, we, I don't want them to find me mm. transporting this person. But then they are like, we know that you are doing this, this, and this at this prison. However... When the, at the prison, when they activated the homing beacon or whatever it was, the tracking beacon, and he planted it on that guy, and they came, they literally passed his ship leaving them. I didn't like that, yeah. Like, That's the thing they I didn't, didn't say, excuse me, sir, can you wait up a minute before we go interrogate this guy? Yeah, I didn't, I... 
But so that was confusing. Also, what is the big deal of him transporting this woman? I also didn't get that. Uh, it's it's the only uh, the only way she, he's going to get an introduction to other Mandalorians is but through. Her no, 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 no. What I mean is that like, because you guys are like, he can't get pulled over by the New Republic people because they'll find out he's transported. I'm like, what? Why? Oh can't no, he I don't think that's his person. Well, he was like shush, 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 shush when she was like. Arr, arr. Yeah, like why? I don't. I don't, I don't get why that's bad. I think that it was this part was pretty unclear. And unnecessary, honestly, because in the end, they left him there. Like, they didn't even help him out. Yeah, so... It's kind of things like this that I kind of have one of these moments in every episode of The Mandalorian. Where I'm kind of like, okay, but why did you do... Okay, okay, we're just moving on. Okay. Alright, uh, I'll just... I'll roll with it. But, like, I kind of don't know why you did that, but okay. Um... Yeah, so that was my only thing with this episode. Chapter 11, The Heiress. The Mandalorian braves high seas and meets unexpected allies. Hi, Sasha Banks. (laughs) I just, I was so distracted, like most of this episode. (laughs) Molly, just FYI, the other, the non-Bo-Katan Mandalorian lady is a wrestler. Oh, okay. A, a friend I'm... of mine said that their favorite wrestler was in this, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Like, I hope it's not Gina Carano." <laughs> um, but it, I guess no. it wasn't. Uh, and it was just <laughs> like I. It's not that I didn't pay attention to the episode. It's not that you know I was gawking over Sasha Banks because of the four horsewomen of the WWE, Sasha Banks is probably my least favorite. But like. But she's so pretty. Yes, that is the common consensus among wrestling fans. Yes, you don't. You have no idea. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was kind of a thing of just. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it because, like, I was thinking to myself, okay, imagine literally anybody else in this role, right? Imagine, like, if Seth Rollins were here. Imagine if the New Day was here. If the New Day was in The Mandalorian, I would absolutely fucking love it, and it would automatically become my favorite episode. But, like, I feel weirdly like it would work better? I don't really know why I was so distracted by Sasha being here. Because I was she just was a, like a small role. Yeah, she does in in this episode. Yeah, which gets uh, expanded a little bit later. Um, and conveniently, the guy was <laughs> the guy got left out. <laughs> I was wondering about that because I was watching this this morning, and I was like, I don't remember there being a guy Mandalorian in the Mando Squad. <laughs> That's because you got Bo Katan, who's like. Super fucking important. <laughs> and then you have Sasha Banks, who's super fucking famous. <laughs> and then there's this other guy. <laughs> who has done um, all the other uh, Disney Disney titles. He was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, also, the bo- uh, the person who plays Bo-Katan, Katie Sackhoff, is the same person who voices her as well in the yes. animated version. Wait, so. that's Katie Sackhoff? Yeah. yeah. I know her. She's in Mass Effect, I believe. There you go. That's so neat. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's it does easy. it does kind of throw things through a loop with the whole they can take their masks off and he doesn't with the whole he's a member of the Watch, which is a sect of it and stuff like that. 
which I really hope they talk more about because it's still not clear to me. They'll definitely talk more about it because he has to then, now that he's, first of all, I mean, we'll get into this, of course, very soon, but Mm -hmm. he's now handed off Baby Yoda. He has the Darksaber. He's going to have to go back to Mandalore. He has to reckon with how he grew up. And if that's not, like, it's all he knows. And I think that they make that very clear in this episode. He's like, there is only one way. And then he takes off and they're like, huh, another one of those. But they're like, they, I don't know. It seems like their creeds are similar, but they're just less strict. And they called him a religious extremist. And I think that's super fascinating. Um, This episode also, um, I was very aware of very earth like human like fabrics being used in the costuming which like i started to notice a little bit in the prisoner with um the with uh what whatever her fucking name was tonks wearing like a t-shirt um that was like kind of tie-dye but all of the mon calamari on this planet are wearing they were sweaters. knit sweaters <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> what i'm okay with it i am too i just never They're thought sailors. of that before it's a uh, it's it's social socially evolved uh, convergence. <laughs> They're going to come to the same conclusions we are on in terms of knits. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, beyond that, it, you know, it just gives us another. Uh, there's not very much for me to say about it. I, I wouldn't say this is a, like a fantastic episode because but it does give us a lot more. It gives us more information. It, it starts us on the path towards the end of the season. Um, it's a setup. Episode. And so for that. What? It's a setup episode. Yeah. So. Yeah. It and also, it's also if, a payoff episode because it finishes the previous, like, the passenger thing. Right. Yeah. right. And it foreshadows the releasing of the dark troopers in the big ship later on when they lock them in the cargo control room and release all of the people out into the water. That So I was like, oh, that's a recurring theme. But also in this episode, they do the crash landing from episode three. And I'm like, I'm bored of seeing people do this. But I did laugh out loud when the ship fell into the water immediately after crash landing. So I guess they subverted it a little bit. And I was I was into it. Chapter 12, The Siege. The Mandalorian rejoins old allies for a new mission. This ap- This actually was directed by Carl Weathers. Yes, it was. Which was neat. Remind me what happens in this episode. This is the one where they go back to Navarro and go to the mining place and find that they had been doing experiments, not just mining. This is Mandalorian's version of a filler episode. Kind of, but I mean, it does. I I, I guarantee they're connecting it to Snoke somehow um, or like the cloning of the Emperor or something like that, where like it kind of explains the first clue as to like why they needed uh, no. Grogu's blood. Um, no, no, I don't clones. think so. I think Which, you're wrong. I, I think that they were. This is they're creating um, dark troopers. I think they used Baby Yoda's blood to create force sensitive droids. Like when they released the dark troopers later on, like they were, they're like all they were missing, or all that was left to get rid of was like the body inside, and like they. That's what that was what me and my mom thought. Maybe you're right, and maybe that's like a connection to the greater Star Wars universe. But I thought that they were using him to create force-powered droids. If Trevor is right, I'm gonna stick a pin in that because it's a thing I'm gonna address later. Um, about the show in general. Um, 
cool. I could be very wrong. Trevor's looking at me like I'm super wrong and pulled that I don't out know. of nowhere. I don't, so. I, don't know how, I don't know how they think it's going to work. I think Buff's Gideon's still not fully unveiled, quite frankly. I think there's more to it. Yeah, like a few other episodes of the show, this kind of, like, there's plot stuff, but, like, it came, I saw, I watched it, and then... And then I moved on. Like, it was just, it like, you know, meh, like, there's just nothing really here for me to, like, there's nothing really here for me to, like, sink my teeth into or, like, get interested in or, like, get excited about or, like, I don't know, because it's a thing of this sh- the episode serves a purpose because you have to fix the Razor Crest, which becomes redundant uh in not the next episode but the episode after that um but then like it feels the most like a side quest it feels like in a video game where they are pacing out the main story so like they make you go to this one location and they're like okay go leave cuz we have to make repairs and then while you're gone they're like, hey, here's a side quest. So you can, like, do something. And then by the time you do that and come back, the ship is done. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of... I got that vibe a couple of times. Like, honestly, a good way to look at The Mandalorian is just, like... You ever wonder how you would adapt a video game, like an RPG, into a show? This is kind of that. Because every episode is a, is, like the main quest and sometimes you do quote unquote side quests, but they are still related to the main plot. So like as somebody who's played the hell out of mass effect and dragon age, dragon age specifically, like even though like the Mandalorian clearly is sci-fi and so is mass effect, like the way that dragon age often, especially origins, it really felt like origins where like every new place you go, there is a new quest that you must do and that quest progresses the main plot and that's literally the Mandalorian. Um, so yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was that was all I had on the siege. And that'll do it for episode one. We got through most of the episodes. Next week we will do... Uh, the last few episodes of season two, and then we will give our highest and lowest rated episodes, least most valuable characters, etc., etc., closing thoughts, all that fun stuff. And of course, we will reject or renew it, although I'm pretty sure, like with a few of these so far, you can probably guess what we're going to do. But tune in next week for that conclusion. Uh, let us know what you thought at Red Team Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Red Team Reviews podcast.